does the movie Terminator Dark Fate relate to economic development and artificial intelligence? Well, it's not too far from the truth. First of all, I'm going to define what artificial intelligence is. And it's essentially a computer system that's able to perform a task that normally require human intelligence, such as visual perception, speech recognition, and a real big key one is decision making and translation between languages. So what kind of jobs would be impacted by artificial intelligence? And just some of the top jobs that would be impacted by um, artificial intelligence would be telemarketing, bookkeeping clerks, compensation and benefits managers, receptionists, couriers, proofreaders, computer support specialists, market research analysis, advertising salespeople, and retail salespeople. And I'd also add uh, people that are in the transportation business, such as taxi cabs, etc. So what does that mean? And what does that mean for the economy? Well, it's obvious. Robots can work 24 hours and they don't complain. People, well, generally complain, never <laughs> happy. No, not true. But uh, um, so if you look at it, a number of uh, businesses are starting to have self-checkouts. Um, there are introducing uh, robots into their uh, into their workforce and uh, that has a big impact because what happens is if you're if you're introducing this technology which costs lots of money um, you are essentially taking away the opportunity for people to work and it will drive wages down and increase job losses and then at the same time have a, a significant impact on the socioeconomic status of our country or even our world because it will, the people that own this technology or own the robots and that can afford it in our progressive thinking like that will capitalize and capitalize and become richer. But that will only be a small population compared to, to people who are workers and will not have a job. Everyone has different levels of capacities and different, uh, um, I guess, intellectual ability and no one's is, there's not everyone's the same. And so what you're going to see is a substantial job loss. And, uh, you know, even though we have an aging baby boomer population and we also have an aging, well, a very low birth rate, we're still going to find that uh, that the impact is going to be significant because basically robots are going to take over our lives and we need to control for that and make sure that it doesn't happen. I was just doing some research in terms of uh, Japan is actually the actually the forefront of artificial intelligence and robotics. And they were just talking about how they have a hotel. I think it's about 40 rooms. There's only seven people that uh, run the hotel. And a lot of the work is automated, like self-checkout um, uh, or self-checkout and then check-in, dispensing of cards. Um, some of the cleaning is done by the robots. And that is really the future is that, you know, this is an economy in Japan that really doesn't uh, have, has a low, a low birth rate, a very low population. They need the workforce and then replacing it with robots, right? Well, when that happens, it's going to happen exponentially. And that will have a big impact on on people's and people's life because essentially what the, will happen is the rich will get richer 
and then uh, and then what will happen with the people who are probably in the middle class because if you don't have specialized skills that are along the lines of tech and robotics and in that area in terms of computer software <coughs> artificial intelligence is going to impact everyone and we have no choice it's here to stay so what does that mean to us the rich are going to get richer the poor are going to get poorer People with lower socioeconomic status will really have to struggle. And what does economic development mean? Is it just really monetary? Not really. Economic development also means the social well-being, social well-being of people. And that means the health and the wealth of the community. Next, I'd like to introduce you to my brother, Alan Cooper. Just a little bit of background information on Alan. Alan is an amazing individual who has uh, really fought through or continues to fight through mental illness. He had a manic episode or had a mental, I guess it would be a mental breakdown in Japan. And hopefully he's okay with that a number of years ago, I think around uh, 20 years ago. And how he's dealt with it was just amazing. I've just been so, uh, I have so much respect for what he's done and how he's, he's moved on or actually shaped his life. And so... You know, essentially, you know, our family came together, my older brother Ron and my aunt Gwen, who's a doctor, and myself. Well, not myself. I unfortunately didn't have a passport. So make sure you always have a passport because you never know when there's an emergency. Uh, but they uh, flew out to, to Japan and uh, actually a good friend of my Maverick as well. I can't thank the woman enough there. Um, he went out there and they essentially uh, saved Alan and brought him back uh, to uh, Calgary. And uh, it was a it was a significant uh, it was tough on the family. The family really came together, and I, you know it was uh, you know it, it split some of us apart. But then at the same time, a number of people stepped up, and uh, you know, and I'd like to say I don't know if I only said or not is that we really saved his life, and uh, and really you know did as much as we could to you know put his life together. At the same time, we were all dealing with our own issues, and really surprised that this was happening, and. Uh, really had a big, big impact in this. Uh, when my brother, you know, they basically, they brought him back from Japan and uh, he was uh, hospitalized for two months. And every day I went to the hospital to uh, see how he was doing and uh, check on him. And that was hard as well because we had really small babies at the time and kids and, uh, you know, hard on my relationship with Irene. And Irene was quite forgiving and supportive of me to um, let me go and, uh, and I was just so concerned and also shocked about my brother that this is what what had happened and really confused and didn't understand. And I think that impacted my parents as well. And they didn't understand. And, uh, you know, it was it was it was a tough go. But uh, I look at Alan right now and uh, where he's at and I'm just amazed. And so this is a story about Alan and mental illness. Well, I don't know if I'm qualified to provide a definition, but from what I've learned from you, um, economic development is a very important, crucial um, thing for municipalities to have. I did way better on my first couple ones. Can you just go back and use those? I don't know. <laughs> I'm still learning the program. Maybe. Or you can just keep this joking on there. It's kind of funny. Okay. And at least we think it's funny. At least we think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, 
economic development is very important. I didn't realize until um, you and I talked about it more about how much um, municipalities would who would otherwise be unknown to other markets, international or other other in, investors um, through economic development. These municipalities are able to access um, other markets and are better known throughout the world. And so you're you're bringing investment and notoriety to those municipalities that they otherwise wouldn't have. Very good. Huh? Yeah, yeah, of course. You have a bit of a cheat, though. I have a little bit of a cheat. Yeah. <laughs> you helped me write my business plan on one of my uh, business uh, ventures that I'd like to uh, uh, virtual, making uh, economic development virtual. Yeah, I did. I, yeah. That was a really, that was really fascinating. I got to learn a lot about economic development. Yeah. And you do. Well, very helpful on, on your, your part. And uh, it'd be nice uh, to see that business plan come to fruition. It would. Yeah. It would. Very interesting process putting it together. Yeah. So, anyhow. Uh, but, yeah, no, that's great. Very good, Al. And then, so... Um, the next question, I don't know if you remember the questions or not, it doesn't sound like it, but uh, is why do you love like Cyril or don't? <laughs> why do I love Cyril and why don't I? Love I like, love slash like, and then Cyril or don't, or and don't. Um, well, <laughs> I love you because you're my brother, man. So, of course, I love you, right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But I think the thing I admire about you the most is your commitment to family. Um, we all can drive each other nuts, and but um, you're very loyal in your value for family, your immediate family for all of us, and how much you care about all of us is, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, what else? You're a very giving person. You're kind. You're giving. And if you mention your name to most people, they smile because they, you've either made them laugh or you've been silly or you've grossed them out or, <laughs> or, uh, or I don't know. You mention your name, people generally smile. It's a bit of a mischievous smile. So they've either had some, some kind of mischief you've gotten into or, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. Huh? That looks really nice. Oh, no uh, but I guess the other part is the don't. <laughs> <laughs> what don't? Yeah, uh, like, make me say that publicly. It's uh, up to you. <laughs> you uh, let me see. Oh, well, your sense. Well, <laughs> sometimes your sense of humor might cross the line a little bit, but yeah. generally, very funny. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Obviously, you've got more there, but uh, this is a public podcast, right? It's public, yeah. yeah. So, all good. Um, mm -hmm. So, tell me what's on your mind, like politics, life, etc. What's on my mind? Um, well, I'm writing a book. Mm -hmm. Tell us about it. Um, I'm writing a memoir about uh, my life experiences, including my life with bipolar disorder of had quite a unique life you know we were raised as uh, 
impacts to any Catholic kids in Canada, new immigrants to Canada. A lot of interesting things that happened along the way with that and our upbringing. And um, then I moved to a foreign country and I was making lots of money, living the dream. And then my illness kind of, well, not kind of, it definitely brought a abrupt end to that. And uh, I was forced to come back to Canada because of my illness, and that wasn't really in the plan. And I've been challenged to reinvent myself, to to enjoy life now uh, after many years of different jobs and different experiences. So I hope it's interesting and hope maybe even gets published. So that's my biggest project right now. I'm working with an excellent author. Her name is Pam Clark. And her book is called Kalina. It's about the Ukrainian internment camps during World War I in Northern Alberta. And it's an excellent read. She's an incredible writer and her book is a really amazing piece. Absolutely terrific. So I feel very blessed to have her working on my book too. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome Al. You know, the hurdles that you've had to overcome and where you're at now is just, uh, I don't know, it's awe inspiring, I guess. I don't know if that's the word or not. But uh, yeah, well, you know, thank and, you. And the, and the book uh, itself, I, I think, is somewhat cathartic for you as well and, and tells the story. And I'm a little worried in some ways because you haven't let me read it or proof it or anything else. So I, have, <laughs> I let you work on my business plan. <laughs> so which, little, which, which gives me a little bit of uh, kind of like, what are you writing about? But uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully the whole, the family won't implode or explode because it's about our family. <laughs> yeah. so, no, I'm thinking of making it into a novel too. Specializing it might possibly. Well, that, and if you use a fictional character name, and if I'm included in the uh, book, can you make sure my name is Josh? Well, so the whole point of doing that would be to make you anonymous, and you just made yourself. <laughs> so that, that won't work, then, eh? <laughs> you just made yourself whatever the opposite of anonymous is. No, it's up to you. No, I'm joking. Can't I just use your real name? Uh, well, it depends. <laughs> it depends what you're writing. <laughs> you have a pretty good name. It's very unique. Yeah, I know. I don't I know what Cyril's. Well, it's, that's an old English name, Cyril, actually. But, and I'm Cyril, Cyril is no English, I think. And then, yeah. and then, um, and Cyril is, I guess, second in some ways, named after my grandpa, grandpa your grandfather, our grandfather, so. Yeah. Yeah. See, the name sells the whole book. <laughs> yeah, we can talk. All good. <laughs> so this, the next one, should be an easy question for you. And mm -hmm. so, it is tell a story about the most embarrassing moment with Cyril, or without. Okay. So you remember that time we were drinking, and it was past uh, drinking hours, no. and we were. We were in that Chinese restaurant and we were drinking beer out of those, out of those, uh, the, the teacup things. Oh yeah. Six for Sam's. We were in downtown Calgary and it was past, uh, it was like, uh, two in the morning or three yeah. in the morning, two. And I think the, the last call was at one o'clock. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you talk to like you're always a great negotiator. That's a good economic development skill. <laughs> Thank you. And, yeah, and I you convinced, about that. <laughs> you remember, and yeah. you convinced the service beer in uh, those uh, tin uh, teacups, the tea hot pots. water, those yeah, hot water teacups. Yeah, that's right. And somehow there was another couple guys that we didn't know that were hanging out for the party. Yeah, they kind of got a hold of my line on how I talked through the uh, the beer scenario. Yeah. So then we got a bunch of this beer and those guys took off. So, yeah. <laughs> they left. so we had, yeah, they left. So they left us with the bill. But you have already ordered Bastards. all of this, tons and tons of beer, yeah. and you didn't want to leave unless we drank all of it. Yeah, it's expensive stuff because you had to work there. a deal on that, right? That's, yeah, prime <laughs> stuff. We were there, I think, until the next morning, five or six o'clock in the morning, I think. Drinking it. Drinking it because you didn't want to waste it. Was it Grant and- with us, too? No, this is a different part of the story. Cameron Bo- Roach was with us. Oh, I knew there was someone was with us. <laughs> yeah, Cam was there. Oh no, Cam's gonna interview too. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah. then, these poor people that own the restaurant—they're like sleeping in the—they're sleeping on the in the booths and stuff because we won't leave. <laughs> really. Yeah, and I I just realized I guess they couldn't call the cops because they were serving us alcohol. Uh, <laughs> we were still drinking it. Oh yeah. Well, you know you. There's no way we're gonna leave after spending all that money, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> budgeting. Very good with budgeting. Another economic development skill. Yeah. So, yeah. So we were drinking, and the poor owners are like sleeping in the little. In the little uh, booth, trying to wait, waiting for us to finish drinking all of it. Yeah, so, I don't think we finished till five or six, did we? No, well, because it was—I remember because it was light out the next. Yeah, well, we, we got out of there. <laughs> yeah, and then, we, and then we called a cab. <laughs> yeah, what happened there? So we called a cab, and then Cam says, "No, we don't need the cab. Let's run away." Yeah. <laughs> Why? I don't know why. That's dumb. How are we gonna get home? <laughs> so then, so then we we went. The big hiding was to run around the, the edge of the building. And the and guy we're, <laughs> and we're hiding. That, that was embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. We were hiding up against the wall. Yeah, if we're hiding, it was almost like I picture us having like. Cam's crouched down, and then you're, and I'm a little bit above. above yeah, Cam. we were hiding. And you're above me. Yeah, the three of us around the corner of the building. So dumb. Yeah. Pull slowly around. He's looking at us. Like, what is doing? Doing. Did we get in? Oh, well, I don't remember, but we must have because then I think we got back to Nanner's place. Yeah. And that's when I got in trouble because we I forgot the key. Yeah, so you forgot you, you're not allowed to take the pencil. So you took you forgot the key. And then, yeah. and then we didn't know how to get in. And then Cam said, Well, I could break the door down. And we're like, 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's a good <laughs> idea. Break the door. That's right, yeah. <laughs> he winds up, he kicks the door, busts the door, and he breaks yeah. it open. We're like, yeah. Yeah, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of damage. I got a lot of trouble for that. Oh my god. And yeah. he's like, Great, you guys. You told me to do it. There you go. So, that's embarrassing. That's a good story, huh? That is embarrassing on a couple of fronts, but uh, funny. But yeah, there's some positives there though too, like negotiation skills and your uh, value for budgeting. You know, those are good. Yeah, thank you. Determination. Determination. Yeah. Cheapness. Cheapness. Yeah. I've always been a bit frugal that way, right? Certain things. Yeah. 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 I hate wa- I hate wasting the stuff though, you know what I mean? <laughs> I really want to go home. I know you do. I do, but I, and I hate spending excess of money and that's I think that also I don't like the idea of getting like paying something for some like paying a high price for something that doesn't need to be high. <laughs> Those are all the reasons behind that. Yeah, so there you go. Lots of strengths in that story, too. Yeah, no. Thank you. Yeah. Our next question is, share intellectual knowledge with listeners from your background. Share intellectual knowledge from my background. With the Uh, listeners. Yeah, so with my audience. I think I've got 24 people as my audience so far. mm -hmm. (laughs) Huge. Oh, 24 people. Um, Well, obviously the most the greatest amount of knowledge I have is regarding bipolar disorder because I, like I said, I do speak on it and I do help people. Um, intellectual knowledge regarding bipolar disorder? Uh, well, it runs in families. They don't know exactly how it runs in families, but it does. Um, it deals with neurotransmitters, um, which are the the chemicals that are used for communications between different neurons in your brain, which the neurons are, are what is used by your brain to, to communicate to different parts of the brain. So nobody knows exactly how or, or even where bipolar disorder is in the body. Um, there's been some research that recently that um, the potential cure for bipolar disorder right now is injecting. Is there's some research about adding fecal matter to to the gut? There, uh, there's some research on that, but there's still a lot of unknowns. There's a uh, the medication we have um, is unique to every single person. That's another one of the struggles. Is the bipolar disorder is not. It's not like a broken arm. Everybody's broken arm is different. I like to say it's like different flavors. Um, so the medication we take, very long process. You see a specialized doctor called a psychiatrist who administers that medication to help people have a better life. It's not a cure, but makes our symptoms more manageable. I think the biggest thing is that um, bipolar disorder is a a physical illness with psychological symptoms it's not a psychological problem with physical symptoms and for me that's that's the piece i i would 
I want everybody to realize is that I go to a doctor to get my psychi my psychiatric problems fixed. And I, when I go to that doctor, I tell my doctor my physical symptoms, like my appetite, my sleeping, and that's how she de decides to adjust my medication. And that includes my mood of whether I'm happy or sad, but that's on a long list of other physical assessments that she does. Yeah. That's gotcha. my intellectual. No, that's really good, Alan. And, and uh, mental illness has certainly been in the news quite a bit and seems to really have, um, I don't know, it, it's, it's changed. And I, maybe you can tell me a little bit about this is, you know, when you first were diagnosed with being bipolar, you didn't want anyone to know. And then now, you know, you, you are completely comfortable in it. And, and it seems that you're able to, well, you are able to express yourself, which is, which is fantastic because the stigmas attached to uh, mental illness are starting to, uh, I guess, be, to be eradicated. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think, um, like, where do you think we are now and where do we need to go with mental illness? That's definitely better. It's way better. It's not entirely there yet. Um, you know, even in, like, I publicly speak about bipolar disorder and I write about it and um, you know, publicly people know I have both bipolar disorder and I often tell people, but there's some people I still don't tell. Like if I run into somebody and I only know them for a short period of time, my sense is that it's not worth it to tell that person I, I still won't tell them in working with people with bipolar disorder this question is very controversial um you know that's great if we all want to share um but the reality is, is there can be some some negative consequences even still right things are way way better but i mean there's still people coming to our groups that are are having a hard time at with their employers when their employers find out they have bipolar disorder. There's people who are losing family friends because they find out they have bipolar disorder. So there's still that stigma and discrimination that exists. That being said, I probably wouldn't be <laughs> having this conversation publicly. Um, when I, I've written, as you know, I've written some blogs on bipolar disorder and I shared that my blog on Facebook and I it was really tough to make that decision was am I really going to put this out there for family and friends and people who don't know don't know me that well and it took me a long time to click that button on my phone and when I did the outpouring of support from everybody was just so tremendous that uh, that really really touched me and the more I talk about it the more the more um, people are extremely receptive to me, and I, I'm very grateful for that. And of course, you have a real strong basis in terms of, you know, counseling, and as well as just your educational background. You have a BSc in psychology from Victoria, and so, and just your background in terms of as a social worker is all lends to, you know, to really, I guess. I don't know if it's understanding, but being able to help people and uh, being very empathetic and uh, and being, I don't know, making a difference and just your, how brave you are in terms of 
getting the message out about bipolar, bipolar, um, and then educating people is just phenomenal. And uh, and you know your family's very proud of you. I'm very proud of you. And uh, and I can just hear it in your voice and just the strength, and you get stronger every day. And uh, that's just fantastic. Oh, thank you. That's that's very kind. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's a pretty good closing remark. (laughs) (laughs) No, I feel feel very, very blessed. I mean, it's hard to have this illness. I never would have picked it, but um, it's given me the opportunity to meet amazing people. Like, I've I've met activists in different parts of the world. Uh, I've met very intelligent people, and I've, you know, I consider it an honor to help um, when people are at their worst. It's... um, they have to be vulnerable, and I—I you know, I really do consider it an honor and a privilege to be able to, to have people who I admire tremendously. The adversity that the people that I have met who have gone through is—it's um, unique. Um, bipolar disorder is not understood. We have all the physical symptoms to deal with, but we also have the you know, shame of what we've done and guilt and, you know, having to, you know, face your family and the things that you've done when you weren't well is unique to our illness. Um, So it's a pretty unique, difficult adversity to deal with. And I'm so honored to, to share that journey with other people who, who, who have gone through similar experiences and to be able to help them also. Uh, and the interpretation of it too is uh, my interpretation is you know it's 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 very difficult because if you're going through a manic episode or depression depression episode, a lot of times you don't remember what you're what you've done right yeah and, and then so it's like your brain shuts off during that time period but then mm-hmm. when you but then it's almost very um it has no forgiveness because when you do come out of the episode, then you do remember what you had before. Right. So you like, cause like you're, you're highly educated, you're a smart guy and, and you have all that memory still from before. Right. But during that time period, you don't remember. Are you in reference to uh, like what I've lost because of my episodes or I'm just talking in general for people that are go through that are bipolar or have gone through either a manic episode or depressed a depressive episode. A lot of times you don't even remember or remember what you did, right? Yeah, and that, that's uh, and the damage you did you do to friendships or even trying to have uh, connections and friendships when things. Like my last episode, I moved to a small town and I was exciting and I was happy and I had all these ideas and people were excited about me and meeting me. And then when I crashed, I didn't remember any of them. And yeah, they would come yeah. to me and they'd say, hey, Alan, how you doing? And I'd be like, I don't know who you are. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say that literally, but I'd be like, yeah, it's good to see you too, but I don't. I didn't remember any. Yeah. Yeah, that's just that's traumatic. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it it's traumatic for sure. It's traumatic 
And then on top of that, I go the other way. I'm not well anymore. I can't get out of bed. I'm not. I'm definitely not fun. And people are worried. Like, what's wrong? What happened to this fun guy? Uh, you, know, but, you know, this great guy who's full of energy. What's yeah. going on? Yeah, so it's confusing for people, right? Yeah. It's it's not, not only confusing for people you just meet, but for family and friends. And, uh, um, yeah, it's tremendous damage to relationships that's pretty unique to our illness. The losses we go through is, are tough. Yeah, you lost a lot of friends, right? You know, yeah. and uh, some friends stuck, you know, stood by you, you know, but generally, you know, family is family, right? So most families stick together, right? But, well, I don't I should say that, but, you know, but there's more of an attachment there with family, right? And, mm. uh, but with friends, if they can't handle it, then they're done, they're gone. Yeah, so that's why I'm saying that, you know, we've come a long way in stigma. But um, there's no reason for those friendships to end. You know, no people act, people understood, then there's no reason for them. So we're not there yet. No, no, not at all. There's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, I think, uh, hurdles to overcome, and uh, lots of education, lots of knowledge, and uh, I think you're the guy out to do it. There, you're already. Um, making a big impact and uh and and i don't think you're i think i don't think you're doing it for yourself you're doing it for bipolar itself and uh and really trying to help people understand and uh and you're doing a fantastic job of it uh what you've gone through and uh you know with none of your brothers or sisters or anyone in the family has gone through what you've gone through yeah, I appreciate that. When Thanks. was last, uh, would you say, it's your last, uh, I think it's been a long, in my opinion on this, it's been a long time, but uh, you you haven't had a, a manic episode or a, a, a depressive episode, as far as I know, for a number of years. I haven't had a full-blown manic episode since 2010. Um, okay. Unfortunately, 2010? Uh, okay. yeah. yeah. I do a lot to... I do everything I can. I have a psychiatrist. I have a routine. I have a lot of bipolar friends now who keep an eye on me. But there is no cure. So I, I my version of bipolar disorders, I still have, frequently have um, minor depressive episodes where I, I don't enjoy things as much. I'm very tired. Uh, I have aches. And um, yeah, it's a tough time. But I've learned to just keep going. And uh, my, I've have every once in a while I have a little bit of high, but that's not that's not as bad as I still significantly suffer from depressive episodes. And I have an excellent psychiatrist; it's gotten a lot better over the years. But I think that's one thing I would like other people to understand too: is this is not cured. We haven't. There's no cure for bipolar disorder. Um, our symptoms are a lot, obviously, way, way more manageable and you can have an excellent life you just have to kind of accept that there's some suffering that's gonna continue along the way and but you can you can still have a good life and i'm very grateful for my life no no yeah that's awesome um and if it's okay if i can say this but you take medication oh yeah i take medication you know and 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 that that's a battle in itself because from what my interpretation is, is that uh, 
until you actually go through it. Um, yeah. Like you, you, you kind of, I think you hit a point sometimes when you're doing so well that you realize you don't think you need the medication. And then after you learn, then you realize that you do need that medication. And, and it seems in my opinion, that, and this is just an opinion, you know, better than I would, is that uh, the medication has improved and you've been on different medications and your, your doctor will switch you on that so that she gets optimal performance or get, gets the best out of you. Is that true? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, psychiatry is kind of interesting. I don't know if I can say um, in the fact that it's a team effort. Uh, my psychiatrist, I have to be able to communicate with her what my symptoms are, and I have to be able to do it effectively. And she has to kind of uh, listen to what I need and what I'm willing to Well, for example, there may be a drug that has tons of weight gain, but mm-hmm. I can't handle the depression, so I'm willing to take that drug. It's kind of an extreme example, but we work together to pick drugs. Um, right now, I'm on a new antipsychotic. Uh, I was on an older one, and so I'm stable, but I could maybe be better, but it's up to me to make that call. So uh, since we made that transition, my my depressive episodes are way less. And it's a newer drug, like you said. So, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Al, we're gonna end end here. I'd like to thank you for participating in exciting economic development. Do you think that was exciting? <laughs> well, you've just heard from my guest speaker, Alan Cooper. If you're interested in uh, learning more or reading his book or reading his blog, send me a message. Um, also, he's developing this uh, really neat uh, bipolar game, and uh, maybe I'm not supposed to say anything about that, but uh, you can play that game. Um, today, we talked about some great things, and uh, you know, artificial intelligence, Terminator, pretty good movie. And also, you know, we'll be uh, next week uh, bringing uh, talking with Margot Began. I think I was supposed to do that this week, but I had some technical difficulties, so I still have to figure out how to how to edit that. Uh, um, the her interview but uh yeah so stay tuned for exciting economic development and thank you for listening